Hey, good morning, everyone. Let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Let's enter in together, and then we'll see what the Lord has for us. Ah, Jesus, we invite you into this place. Open up our hearts and our minds to be aware of what you're already doing, what you're already saying, what you're already speaking. Yeah, you have so much on your heart for this day. We just want to enter into your plans, your purposes. Teach us from your word this morning. Teach us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah, thank you for this body. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, well, thanks, Dennis, getting us in spots. It is kind of fun. I think this morning um, we're, we're going to be doing something a little bit different, and I think just getting us into some pockets of people around will we'll set the stage for a, um, yeah, a, a interesting time. Well, this morning, fifth Sunday of the month, uh, we're going we're gonna to invest in prayer. Uh, some leaders that I like always say that tension, tension makes great music. Um, I love that because in the tension, there's something that causes our hearts to cry out to the Lord in the right way, right? Sometimes we're feeling good or we're, we're feeling bad, but that tension spot, we're like, something's not right, or God, what in the world are you doing? Causes our hearts to cry out in the way that they were meant to. Tension makes good music. And so we want to enter into the tension today and spend some time with the Lord crying out. Spend some time with the Lord just inviting him into what he's doing at Moran Park. I know for myself and my wife and a lot of us, right, we're asking, God, what in the world are you doing? What are you setting up here? Why are we here? Why are we pursuing you in this place? And I think the Lord has something for us this morning out of Matthew uh, in our study in the Sermon on the Mount. And as I'm up here, I'm reminded that uh, I needed a Bible. I needed a Bible to well, <laughs> I didn't grab it. My lovely wife, Joy, everybody, helping me out with my Bible. Thank you, thank you. Um, so this morning, thank you, Joy. This morning, uh, this is going to be a focus. This is going to be a focus on the Lord's Prayer, and it's going to be a focus on our first love. The Lord's Prayer is an invitation to let go of matters of the world and just to have it be us and God for a moment. Like, let's just let go of some other things. There's important things to, to think about, to talk to God about, but right now, we're just going to focus on us and God. And the cool thing with the Lord's Prayer is that... Um, if we follow what the Lord has given us in this outline, it causes us to focus on who God is and what he wants to do. It causes us to focus on who he is and what he wants us to do. And when I step into agreement with that, who he is and what he wants to do, it brings hope. When you remember who your father is and you remember that he's doing stuff, he's much stronger than we are and he's doing stuff, that we don't even see sometimes, I, when I remember that, like, oh, the burden's off of me. 
I don't have to, I don't have to get this done. He's the one who carries the heavy yoke, right? I just step into that yoke with him. He's doing the work. He is a good father, and that's the invitation. Andrew Murray, a uh, famous reverend from the 1800s, he says this, I love this, from a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer, one of my favorite books. He says, the Lord's Prayer is so simple a child can say it and mean it from their heart. Ooh, I might even have this on a slide. See how we do. No worries, no worries. I'm scrambling here. Oh yeah, there it is. 1885, so this is, this is past the test of, of time here. Um, the Lord's Prayer is so simple, a child can say and mean it from their heart, yet it's so profound. It becomes the deepest utterance of our souls before the Lord. I want to enter into that deepest utterance today. What's so profound about the Lord's Prayer that we have been saying it for centuries and centuries, digging into the depths of it. There's something profound there. This is the best model for prayer as defined by Jesus in Luke 11. He also gives the Lord's Prayer a second time in Luke 11. And right before he gives that prayer, he is found praying. The disciples find him praying and they say, Hey Jesus, could you teach us to pray like that? Or how do we teach, uh, how, how should we pray? Because we see you praying all the time, Jesus. Could you teach us to pray? Which is fascinating because it's the only request the only request that the disciples have for a teaching matter from Jesus recorded in the New Testament. The only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them is to pray. Fascinating. So he says that in Luke 11, he says the same prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, that famous prayer, there are two parts to it. Two parts. For those who are writing notes, this is, this is helpful if you want to write this down. I like to remember the first half is all about focusing on the Father. That's what we're going to spend time doing today. The second half, equally important, giving up our needs and desires and even crying out for deliverance, crying out for provision, right? Those are important, he says, to pray through that. We're going to have time today only to focus on the first half, though, which is agree with who God is and then agree with what he wants to do. So, our Father. I agree. He's my father. I'm not talking to him like a boss. I'm talking to him like a father. His name is holy and he lives somewhere. He lives in a place. He is a real being on a real throne and I'm talking to him. I'm standing before his throne. Remember who we're talking to and I'm in agreement. You're right here. You're my father and I'm talking to you and I want whatever you want to do to come to pass. Before I give my request to you, I'm going to spend time saying, God, what do you want to do? You're doing something. No one cares about brokenness and injustice. No one cares about this earth more than Jesus does. No one cares more than him. So I'm going to start by focusing on what his will, what his ways, what his kingdom is all about. And this opens up a huge invitation. So the summary here. Pray like this. 
First half, agree with who God is, then agree with what he wants to do. In the second half, ask for your needs, forgiveness, and deliverance. So with that in mind, let's dig in to the first half. This first half, let's see, I don't even remember what I have here. Oh yeah, here we go, perfect. This first half, I like to view as an invitation. This is not just something to get through. Say, all right, I said my, you know, check off the list. I said the thing I need to say, and now I get to say the things that I need, right? Sometimes I I do that, right? Hey, God, good morning. Good to see you. You know, glad you're here. And here's all the stuff that I have to talk to you about. Nothing wrong, by the way, nothing wrong with just pouring your heart out before and be like, I'm broken. There's so much stuff going on. I don't know what to do, right? But there's also something beautiful, and the Lord's trying to lead us into can I give my focus and my attention to him first and just say, God, what are you doing? So there's this invitation where I'm going to, I could even spend so much time. There's so much profound depth to this. I start with knowing him as a father. I could talk to him for so long about wanting to know him as my father. And the fact that Jesus says our father as well, there's a context of us together knowing him as father and maybe the cry of your heart is God I don't even really know you as a father let's just stop here and start talking to you like a father how do I even do that my prayer could be 15 minutes of just trying to understand him as my father and crying out to him in that way the first invitation know him as a father Jesus is inviting us into second know about where he dwells I love the line in Colossians that says, put your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. I think the first time I read that, like, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous statement. How am I going to put my mind on things above? I don't know anything happening up in heaven. I don't know what's going on there. How could I set my mind on things above? The invitation is to dig into Scripture and find out. There are so many passages that actually reveal what God is doing. He's sitting on a throne. We can go through Revelation 4 and 5 and spend so much time recognizing what God is doing in heaven and how he wants to bring that to the earth. The invitation here is start imagining through the lens of Scripture what God is doing in heaven and how he wants to bring that down to earth imagine for eternity like this is our eternal home it would be ridiculous I, I've heard a, uh, uh, a pastor say before it would be ridiculous to someone who is dating long distance as Joy and I did dating long distance if someone were to come to me and say hey I, you know I wonder what I wonder what's going on when I lived in Lansing and Joy was in Holland if someone came up to me and said hey I wonder what's happening in Holland today wonder what's happened over there in Holland and I looked at him and said who cares? I don't, I'm not, that's not even on my mind at all. Holland, why should I care what's going on in Holland? They would be like, well, your, your girlfriend lives there. You, you don't think about anything that's going on there, what she might be doing in the same way. It is a little ridiculous that we would say the person I love the most He's sitting in a place and I have no idea anything about what he's doing or what he cares about or where he is. Oh yeah. I don't know that we'll know a full picture, but it's an invitation to start thinking more, start imagining more. He is a father and he's in heaven. 
And his name is holy. The next invitation is to know his holiness, that he's set apart in every way. We will never exhaust, never exhaust his holiness. We will always, it's a, it's a never-ending ocean. No shore to this thing. You can dive into his holiness and find more and more and more. I like to imagine that Jesus is sitting, or God's sitting on this throne. I don't think this is actually how it works, but it's fun to imagine. And he's sitting on this rotating throne, and every thousand years, it just turns a quarter of an inch. Chink. And all of the worshipers, all of the, the angels up there, They've been in a spot worshiping, just falling on their faces like, oh, he's holy, he's holy. And then he turns a little quarter of an inch and everyone's just blown away. Oh my gosh, we've never seen that side of him before. He's even more holy than we thought, right? And every thousand years he just turns and you see a little bit more of him. And it, it, he's never, he's never going to not be interesting. He's always going to be intriguing, Right? This is the pursuit of knowledge where we try to know everything that he's created. We're pursuing him and his beauty and his wonder. So we're invited to know his holiness in this prayer. We're also invited to know about his kingdom and his will. He has revealed much of his will to us in scripture, and yet there's still more to know. I'm always fascinated by this, um, uh, this passage in 1 Corinthians 2. I don't think it's Oh, no, that's the next one. 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 6 says, you've probably heard this before. We speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age We are coming, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, which is a mystery that has been hidden, and now God has destined for glory before time began. None of the rulers of, is, of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, here's the famous part, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And then this second part says, but these things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. I've never heard that last part before, right? I've always heard what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind can conceive what the Lord has fully, uh, what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed some things by the Spirit. You're like, can I do that somehow? Can I enter in and know more of things that haven't been revealed yet? I love that invitation. I don't know exactly how to do that, but I pray that, oh, I want to know these mysteries, these things that no one else has conceived of before. The Spirit wants to reveal them. What is that? His will and His ways, His kingdom. We see so much revealed in Scripture, and there's so much to be revealed by His Spirit as we enter in and talk to Him. So, we need to learn to fix our gaze on the one we are speaking to, to know His will we have to enter into seeking his heart. I want to give you a story, and then we're going to enter into some prayer. This story is my favorite story of understanding what it looks like, what it looks like to, uh, to know the, the, the heart of the Father. So if you have your Bibles, we're turning to first, uh, first or second Samuel. Let's see. Whoop. Second Samuel 7. Second Samuel 7. I stole Joy's Bible, so she's got to look off of someone else's. Second Samuel 7. 
David is known, af- uh, known as a man after God's heart, and I believe this is one of the main reasons that God would call him such. This moment right here, God is about to give David this uh, uh, covenant promise that the Messiah is going to come from his lineage. But there's a moment that we miss that uh, precedes that promise. So I'm going to read this. We're going to read maybe 20 verses or so. What's up there? Yeah, 20 verses and kind of get this story a little bit. So 2 Samuel. Oh, my goodness. There it is. Got it. All right, follow along with me. Now, when the king had lived in his house, that's the palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now that I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, dwells in a tent. That's the tabernacle. So David looks out his window from his really awesome brand new palace and sees, wait a second, God's presence is still in a tent while I'm in a palace. Hmm, that doesn't seem right. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I've not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people from Israel, or brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the judges of Israel to whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time I appointed judge over my pe- judges over my people. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled, you will lie down with your fathers. Skipping ahead, I want to go to verse 16. So God's making that covenant. King David went in and sat before the Lord. So he's responding here and saying, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? We'll pause there. This story amazes me. David is pre-Jesus, right? We all understand that. He's before the Holy Spirit is poured out in the gift of salvation to our hearts. And somehow David... David understood something about what God wanted without God telling him. God is essentially saying here, David, how did you know that I wanted a place to dwell permanently with my people? I've never told anyone this. I've never revealed it to anyone. And somehow you knew that I wanted a permanent place with my people. For that, 
you want to build me a house? I'm going to build you a house, is what God is saying. This is an unbelievable moment. David has caught the heart of the Lord. He knows what he wants. If David can do this before the Holy Spirit is poured out, how much more can we know what God desires because His Spirit is living in us? Oh, friends, there's a beautiful invitation to know what God cares about and to step into it with Him. Jesus is looking for friends to care as much as He does about the things that He cares about. Yes, He does give us, in the Lord's Prayer, a time to say, God, here's the worries that I have. Here's my needs. Here's my petitions. But the first invitation, the first part, is to know what He cares about. He's saying, does, does anyone else care like I do? about these things? Do you want to know what's on my heart? That's the invitation of the Lord's Prayer. So, with this, I'll, I'll give a short story and then we'll enter in to actually spending some time doing this. I had, uh, I worked with a science teacher who had a, uh, I'm, I'm a teacher by trade, and I was working with a science teacher who had his kids come up with a service project he said, all right, you guys make this service project and figure out something to bless the community with. And these are middle schoolers. So their attempts are like, yeah, they're, they're, they're admirable, but sometimes a little uh, misguided. And these students come up and say, we want to help homeless people in our city. And the teacher's like, oh, that's great. What do you think? What, what are we going to do? And they had this idea of just baking thousands of cookies like, let's go around and let's give cookies to all these people. And the teacher paused them like, do you think homeless people need a big thing of cookies? Like, what, have you, have you gone and talked to them? Maybe, maybe let's start by going and having a conversation with them and find out what they need before assuming that what you're bringing is actually what they need. And it was a simple moment, but their eyes, I was there for it and watched, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We should probably ask them before we just give them big piles of cookies, right? Simple, but in the same way, I think sometimes we do that with the Lord, where we just assume what he wants without ever asking. And sometimes, you know, we live in the tension of, I'm not quite sure exactly, but I at least want to know. If he'll reveal it to me, I'm asking God, show me your heart. Show me what you want to do. If David could do it, I can do it as well. So, three questions I have from this text. Let's see if I got it again. Ooh, ooh. My bad, guys. It's on. Oh, I'm skipping around. Thank you. So three questions we may have from this text. Second Samuel. First, does God need my prayers or praise? Does he need that? We know from Romans, this doxology in Romans 11 says, uh, it tells us God does, is not in need of our prayers or our affirmation. Uh, I love these lines. It says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who can know the mind of the Lord or who has ever been his counselor? Who has given something to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him 
are all things. He is not in need of our prayers, but I think God desires, oh, there it is. I think God desires our prayers, which leads us to the second, who am I? It's David's statement. Who am I that you would, you would want me to pray? You'd actually want me to spend time talking to you about things that you want to do. Prayer's weird in that way. There's an invitation. God's already going to do some of these things, and yet he wants us to step in with him. Psalm 8, David declares, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, when I see how big the world is, what is mankind that you are mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? He's touching on something. God, I know you care about my voice. I know you care about me. Why? What's my part to play? And I think the invitation here is in this last question. What does it look like to pray something or do something that would move the heart of God? What does that look like? I want to know. I want to know what moves the heart of God, and I want to enter into that with him. And it starts with the Lord's Prayer. So the first half, as we said, the first half is what we're talking about. Um, Jesus teaching us to focus our attention on God and what he wants to do. And when I agree with who God is and what he wants to do, hope follows. I find that there's a deep hope when I know my Father and I know what he's up to. So we're going to spend some time praying this morning, and we're going to have about 30 minutes to do this. Um, I'm going to lead us through just a few thoughts, and then we'll have some uh, prayers uh, that we've been talking about and praying into and some prayer leaders. So let me kind of walk us through what this looks like. Um, let's do this next one, actually. So four prayer points we're going to go through. Someone's going to come up to the microphone and is going to lead us through some prayer points. They will say, the first prayer point, I think Joy is taking it, so she'll say, God, set us apart for radical love, pursuit of you, from the first line of Matthew 6 of the Lord's Prayer. Um, she'll lead us through that and give us some prayers up here, and then she'll invite some people up to the mic. If no one comes, that's okay, but the invitation is there. If you want to pray into that prayer point for us as a people, come up the steps. Joy will hand you the mic. And you can pray into that. I'll be playing guitar, and so there's be a little bit of uh, worship in the background. Then when everyone is done with that, might as well put up this next. When everyone is done with that, you're in some prayer groups or people around you. Pray into that prayer point for a minute or two with people around you. And then I'll finish us with a song or so. And then we'll move on to the second prayer point and do something similar. And then the third and then the fourth and then we'll finish. This is a way for us to engage with the Lord's heart together corporately. And the idea here is we're just going to try to pour out our love on Jesus and ask him, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I want to know what's on your heart. So to do that, to partner with God and to partner with each other, I have this handy dandy acronym to help us and just give us a little bit of thought and then we'll jump into it. So firstly, the letter P, pray with authority. If you're praying together or you're praying up in the mic, pray with authority and power. Know that he has put his spirit in you. And, and what I mean by that is we don't have to be up here praying against darkness. 
Sometimes I hear people standing up and praying like, Lord, you know, condemn darkness and bind it and all this stuff. And, and I never hear them praying about what God wants to do. God's not so concerned about what darkness is doing. He has a plan. We can start agreeing with his plan. There's power in agreement with what he wants to do more than trying to bind or confront darkness. So pray with power. Next, pray in agreement with the request. If there's a prayer point, let's stick to it. Let's be laser focused on that prayer point and find agreement. If you have other scripture that has to do with that prayer point, feel free to pray into that as well. But we're staying focused on the prayer point. Next, pray truth. Pray from scripture. If you don't know what to do, you find some other cross-references or so. Pray the Bible. Next, pray to Jesus and not people. I get, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes I'm praying up on a microphone or with some people, and before I know it, I've just prayed five minutes, and I'm not actually talking to Jesus. I'm just preaching a message to the group, right? I'm not actually praying. I'm just saying, oh, Lord, and eh, eh, like talking about him, but actually talking to everyone in the group. Focus your attention on Jesus as you're praying. Talk to him, not to people. Engage with others. To help us engage, let's keep our prayers short and focused. 30 seconds, right? We're not going to go on for five, six minutes. Keep it focused. One of my favorite people who prays, buddy Nate of mine, every time he comes to a prayer meeting and prays, he prays less than a sentence. He gets up and just says the thing, Jesus, do this thing, amen, and he's done. Like, that is lovely. You can totally do that. One statement prayers, talking to Jesus, letting other people engage, and then lastly, if you don't know what to do, Listen and respond to the Holy Spirit. This is awkward. I don't really know how to do this. I'm definitely not going up to the microphone. But I might be sitting and listening. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What are you, what are you praying? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, always interceding on our behalf. Jesus, what are you praying? I'm going to listen and I'm going to respond to what the Holy Spirit puts on my heart. So with that in mind, some values there. Let's enter into some worship. Is there anything?